and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and today's episode is joined by Shanti, who lets us in on her journey about running the Wish Fulfilling Tree, an animal-assisted therapy program, and her episode starts off actually with a grounding exercise, so hope you enjoy. Awesome. Are you leading or am I leading? You leading. I think you're good at it. All right. All right. Well, I've been playing with something a little bit different recently, and that is just bringing your attention and awareness to your senses. Just notice what draws your attention through your different senses. Just notice any feelings or sensations on the inside. And I'm just gonna do a couple of, they're called voo. So it's just a sound that you make. You're welcome to join me. So there's an inhale and on the exhale, you add the voo sound and it, it kind of sounds like a foghorn and just, you know, as deep as feels possible for as long as your breath exhales. Tell me about you. Well, my name is Shanti, and uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just horses have been in my life forever. And I was kind of trying to think back to my first introduction to horses, and uh, you know, conscious memory was when I was six, and then uh, and then my parents have shared the story that when I was just learning to walk. They took me to a retreat and at the end of the retreat there was like a gift shop with, you know, a, a bin of stuffed animals. And so as, as a little treat they had me pick a stuffed animal and out of all the stuffed animals in the bin I picked the stuffed horse. So uh, they have been present in my world. At six, that's when I first started to ride. 
Um, did you ride locally in Sonoma County somewhere? I did, I did. So I was here in Sonoma County. Michelle V was my first horse trainer. Cool. Um, so, you know, Lisa Bishop and Sean and all of them I grew up very much in community with. And it was very, very much a community feel. And totally wild and it, I mean I was totally hooked it was like that was it you know and as much time as possible I would spend at the barn and then at eight I got my first pony Dr. Pepper and he was a POA Pony of America so white with brown and white spots and he was one of Michelle's ponies at the time so Pepper I mean, he was the, it's funny how horses come into our lives, right? And, and when they do and what particular horse. And he was such a tester and he tested me to the max. So I remember at some point we brought him home to where, where we are now and where I run my business. It's called the Wish Fulfilling Tree. And I just, I just remember I couldn't go out in the field without a lunge whip because he would, he would spot me and I was like eight and tiny, like I'm a pretty small person, but when I was little, I was like little, little and he'd spot me and he'd get that look in his eye and he'd pin his ears and he'd, he'd charge me. Oh God. <laughs> so very early on, I had to learn how to hold my boundaries and how to hold my space in relationship with this pony and I mean he had funny quirks like that like if you tried to load him in the trailer you know he'd he'd get the moment of the turn and the spin and the drag you <laughs> away from the trailer but I mean he was such an amazing amazing pony and full heart in all all the way so from there I decided that I wanted to do more kind of competition and uh, three-day eventing. And so Pepper and I moved on to um, work with Valerie Bertoli. So uh, I rode there and that became much more kind of intensive and, um, and started with Pepper. I mean, he was my first little eventing pony. We did, you know, beginner novice, novice courses. And then, and then I graduated on to my first you know full-size horse her name was copy heart of gold that mare was so safe she'd take you anywhere around a cross-country course and then come high school I transitioned and started riding with Andrea Pfeiffer at Chocolate Horse Farm and it was you know shows once a month I, I remember taking off school on you know we'd leave on like a Friday or a Thursday even and packing up, packing up the trailer, making sure you have everything, right? So the organization, all the bits and pieces. I'll never forget the waking up at two o'clock in the morning and you know, the, the crisp air, the dark, the quiet, and the excitement of like, we're going on this adventure. Both my parents, or at least one, would always go with me. So I did that all through high school. And then, and then I started trying to figure out like, well, what do I want to do post high school, right? As, as we all go through at, at that stage and courses were such a huge part of my world and it really became the turning point of, well, do I want to do a horse career full time? 
And I said, well, I think I want to try it, check it out. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, Kelly Prather, she had gone to Ireland and had spent a year there riding and training sport horses and showing and she had just gotten back. Mm -hmm. And so I was really curious about that possibility. And she was like, I think I know someone. And yeah. I was like, okay, awesome. And so it was a phone call and I met this guy over the phone. His name was Rasher and it was, okay, I'm going to Ireland. This was right after high school, like right after you graduated? Yeah. What was the plan for what you would do out there? Like grooming? It was very unclear. Oh, okay. It was this phone call, this Irishman on the other side of the phone that was like, yeah, great, come, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you. It was like, okay. Were they going to do it. housing and everything? Yeah. So, you know, I packed up my suitcases and, and I'll never forget just landing in the airport in Dublin and being like, there's this person who's picking me up that I've never seen and, you know, don't know who they are and we'll find each other somehow. And he was there with his mom. And so they picked me up and in the car and off we went to a horse sale. And I just remember it was so dreamlike that whole weekend. I remember just being in the car driving to this horse sale and just like the Irish countryside, just like going by and complete new views, new experiences. And, and then we got to Cavan and it was just wild, right? I mean, the Irish and horses are, they, they breed amazing horses and they are wild and incredible horse people. I did that year working for the Widger brothers, Rasher and Richard Widger. And they had, um, they had like a horse sale barn. So okay. it was me and Petra, but I, I'll, I will never forget. I mean, the first month I cried myself to sleep every night because it was just so new, so unknown. The work was so hard. It was her and I taking care of 30 horses you know, mucking stalls, waters, riding out. And so that year was sales. I got to fox hunt for the first time. I almost died fox hunting because they put me on a horse that they knew shouldn't have fox hunted. And they thought it would be a funny kind of initiation experience. And I mean, it was just amazing. Like the Irish culture, the Irish people, the horse culture there. So it was such an incredible, life experience and and as I was there I kept on continuing to think about well, what do I want to do you know what's kind of my career tra trajectory and I decided I wanted to go back to college I was like okay this is amazing and I think having you know my college education would, would be a good idea so I applied to college while I was over there I had actually deferred to a school that I had applied to the year before and then and then while I was there I applied to a few more schools including UC Santa Cruz and that's where I ended up it, it was kind of interesting because I think I had been so far away from home 
for so long that Santa Cruz was like a comfortable drive home. It was familiar, the ocean right there, the campus is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. You know, it has everything from the ocean to the redwoods. So I came back and and I went to UC Santa Cruz. I did my undergrad in anthropology. So, you know, I was kind of fascinated also by humans and the study of human cultures. I was there for four years and I did one year study abroad back in Ireland. So I went back to Ireland. I studied abroad at University College Cork. And so that was just a short jaunt from Waterford where I had been before. It's a cool city. I remember I lived in this apartment that was right across from this cathedral and every morning the cathedral bells would go off and and then there was this amazing like uh, outdoor well it was in a structure but like fresh air market and so I'd go there and get veggies and they'd have these amazing scones and come home and a cup of tea and it was also very grueling. I was working at a cafe at the same time and I'd ride my bike and it's Ireland, right? It pours rain. And so middle of the winter, it'd be dark, six o'clock in the morning. I put on all my wet gear and, and, and the cafe was not close. It was like a half an hour bike ride and I'd bike my ass over to that cafe and work. And I was thinking back around like, well, when did I start to kind of solidify my career ideas, intentions, path? I have a memory of being on one of the campus buses at, at Santa Cruz. And, and you know, you're like holding on, right? And it goes, it goes around the campus. And I was having this thought of like, well, I love horses and I love working with horses and I definitely want that to be included in my life. But I think I also want to work with people. And so that was kind of the initial seed that got planted in, in terms of career work. And then after college, I graduated and I moved home. And, and that's such an interesting phase too of like, well, what do I do now? You know, I might not have a career, but I need to work. And my mom suggested, she's like, you should check out TLC Child and Family Services. And it's it's the funny thing where, you know, it's moms, right? So it's like, no, no, mom, like <laughs> whatever, you kind of brush it to the side and then months later or years later it comes back and it's like, oh yeah, mom suggested that. There's been a few things like that mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in life. And so, so I ended up going and, and checking out TLC and got hired and so I worked as a residential counselor in the boys house it was called Phoenix house so it's a residential treatment center for at-risk youth teens and I loved it I loved working with the boys it was you know it was active it was exciting it was relational and like there were some scary moments and then while I was working at TLC, I loved working with the kids and there was always this piece of like, how do we access these kids? And they had really, you know, intense trauma backgrounds, disrupted attachment backgrounds, some substance use, self-harm. And, and there was one kid in particular, we didn't have a very good relationship for whatever reason, like we just didn't click. And I remember one day 
I they were really dog friendly and several of the staff had dogs so one day I brought my little rat terrier cash to work with me and and this boy was really interested in in hanging out with cash and I was like okay great so he's like can I take cash for a walk and I'm like absolutely and so I say I hand him the leash and he's holding the leash and nothing happens he's just standing there holding the leash and he's like he's like well what do I do now and I'm like well you you know you have to move your feet and kind of set direction of where you want to go with the dog and that was the the click moment for me of like oh my gosh animals have so much to teach us Mm -hmm. in terms of life skills and for him it was about motivation and energy and even getting his feet moving in a direction not to mention then down the road leadership right all of those additional qualities but it was really this light bulb moment of like oh I want to work with humans and animals to you know support each other's healing healing and growth process and so that's where I first got introduced to social work too and so being at TLC I realized that I wanted to pursue a career in social work and I was very clear that there needed to be an animal assisted piece animals needed to be involved in this career some way and of course specifically horses so I I think I like googled you know animal assisted social work or social work with animals or something like that and the University of Denver graduate school social work popped up I think at the time, one of the only schools that did animal-assisted social work, Prescott University had an equine therapy masters, but not the breadth of animals in general. And so I remember talking to the the director of the Institute for Human-Animal Connection, which is run through the Graduate School of Social Work at the University of Denver. And he was like, he's like, yeah, come. He's like, this is the place for you. And I was like, okay. And so I applied, I got in, and I moved to Denver to do my master's in social work. It totally felt right. It was kind of like, this is it. And and I think at the time, I don't think I was really even interested in applying to other programs that didn't have an animal-assisted component. And I remember I found a place. I had no idea about Denver or neighborhoods or where we were. And and we landed in like kind of a sketchy area of Denver. Yeah. Our house, our home. I'll never forget that house. And there was there was a park with kind of a lake across the street and there are always geese around. What was actually really convenient was my internship was in that neighbor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a strong Vietnamese immigrant community there in Denver and in different neighborhood parts. And so there's this amazing Vietnamese food in our neighborhood. And my first year internship was at the Bridge Project, which was like an after school care program for kids in that community. So grad school was awesome, Um, loved the graduate school social work. I chose social work over like a MFT or LPCC because of the social justice component and and kind of the, the macro component, big picture rather than micro small picture. Interestingly enough, you know, I 
became a therapist and have gone more more micro in, in terms of approach, but that was what led me to social work. Also just the breath, you can work across the lifespan, so many different types of jobs that are available in social work. I did the animal assisted certificate there and specialized in high risk youth. And the animal assisted certificate was amazing as well. And I was always just hungry for more. It was like, you know, I think it was like four classes at the time out of my master's. And I was like, can't it be all the classes? Like, why is it not all the classes? (laughs) And, you know, my second year internship, I think, was really the turning point in terms of the animal assisted work and really kind of getting the boots on the ground experience. I interned with Carrie King Bussard, Animal Assisted Counseling of Colorado. And so she had a private practice, but it was community-based. And so I would work with her and and we would take her therapy animals. She had therapy dogs, um, guinea pigs, and we did some equine as well. And and the small animals would travel with us and we'd go to kids and families' homes Hmm. in the community and we'd do therapy with them there. And so that was really like one first boots on the ground experience of of doing animal assisted therapy work. And and two, my first real insight into therapy and private practice and integrating the animals into that. So I am forever grateful for that internship and that experience. I think really I was just like, how how can I do this work that incorporates animals Mm -hmm. was just where I was at and then of course you know you come out with a master's in social work but then you have to do 3200 hours of training and experience in kind of different categories to then become a licensed clinical social worker and I knew I wanted to become licensed and so after I graduated grad school, um, I worked for an agency out there for a little bit and then and then very much knew and decided that I wanted to come back to California. So Denver, the school was great and the experience was great. Living in that metropolitan of an area for me was challenging and it's also landlocked and I've always had ocean. So growing up in California and Sonoma County and then Ireland is actually fairly similar to to Sonoma County and you know there's ocean available. The landlocked piece was really hard for me and and the difference between kind of ocean energy and mountain energy was also a really different feel. And so you know just energetically and overall it was um, not your place. Home. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved home and I got a job at Seneca Family of Agencies. And so they are a nonprofit in the Bay Area and and further out now. Um, and they offer all types of different services for families, youth, children, at-risk youth in, in our communities. They do school-based programs, they do foster-dot programs. Um, They were really involved in reuniting families that got separated across the border most Mm -hmm. recently. Um, So so they do really good work. And so I got hired in their Marin wraparound program. So I moved to Marin and I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, it was, it was 
work in the trenches and important work but you know it was going into homes that were um you know just not super habitable and gang affiliation and drug affiliation and high volatility and uh, family conflict um you know again suicidal ideation self-harm right like really high risk situations where these families need what they call wraparound support so so multiple levels of support the first month or so of that job i cried every day after work <laughs> on my way home it was really it was really intense and then i started to adjust and then and then it was okay marin was also not home for me in terms of living there it was good for the time and necessary but in terms of self-care over time i figured out and i also didn't have any animals with me so i had actually gotten my therapy dog ziggy while i was in colorado and i can come back remind me i'll come back and okay. tell his story but i couldn't have him in marin with me so he lived at home with my parents you know, I didn't have any horses at the time, right? So animals really weren't in my world on, on the daily. And so I realized I did need to take care of myself. That would be very important in this process. And so I think I got a gym membership. I started going to the Y and doing yoga. And while I was there, there was still this piece of like, how do I bring the animals in? How do I bring the animals into the work? And what became very clear quickly was it's hard to bring animals into these already established systems and agencies and, you know, are, I mean, very boxy systems, right? There wasn't a whole lot of flexibility or, or room for creativity. So anyway, so I started reaching out to people. I, I mean, horses have been in my life forever, as I mentioned, but I really felt I needed more training and experience to integrate horses into like a therapeutic or, or a therapy context of working with people. So I started researching, reaching out to people, and I found Elisa Aubrey out at Medicine Horse Ranch. And I'll never forget, you know, I sent her an email, she reached back out, she's like, yeah, come out and, and meet me. And I'll never forget going out to her beautiful ranch in Tamales, just, you know, rolling green hills and acres for days the first horse that came up was her wild mustang and he came up and just said hello and and it was like oh this is it like this is where i need to be it was very clear just as a sense kind of a felt sense and so while i was working at seneca i did an apprenticeship out at medicine horse ranch two years and we worked with Mirwood's treatment center. So we had a group of adolescent boys who came out once a week and did equine assisted interventions and, and education. But that was an amazing, amazing experience and got connected with some amazing colleagues and horses along the way. And during that time, I had actually transitioned up to Seneca, Sonoma County. And then I moved home onto my parents' property at the same time. So I got my um, CBIP certification. So that's the Certified Board of Equine Interaction Professionals Mental Health, which was kind of my additional equine certification. And it was really, really about the boots on the ground experience for me. 
which is what Medicine Horse offered. It offered time on the ground with people and horses in a healing context. We also worked with adult recovery programs. And then in Seneca, I was getting my hours towards licensure. And uh, I was getting close to having my hours done and I was feeling really done at Seneca, like really burnt out. I'm a, I'm a very empathetic person. And so working in an intense environment like that with lots of emotional flooding kind of coming in was, was really tough. And so I made the decision to leave Seneca and and I decided I was going to start my own thing because it didn't exist anywhere. Nobody was doing what I wanted to do. Again, I mentioned it's very outside the box. And, you know, I tried at Seneca and it just, it, it was too hard to work in with, within the systems and within the boxes. Yeah. And so I decided that I was going to start an animal assisted therapy program for youth in Sonoma County. And so the Wish Fulfilling Tree was founded in November, actually five years ago. So it's the five year anniversary this year of the Wish Fulfilling Tree. And it was a total leap of faith. Like I wasn't licensed yet. I quit my job and it was just like this, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I spent a few months studying for my licensure exam and working on kind of business building and development and I passed my licensure and I launched the Wish Fulfilling Tree. I think the biggest piece was marketing and what came along very quickly that I realized was I had created this 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 place this experience and nobody knew that I existed right and so very clearly I was like oh like I need to pound the pavement marketing wise and and I did for about two years it was about two years of just you know hard hard work and then things started to kind of take off on their own and people knew who I was in the community and you know got well known as a child teen therapist that incorporates animals and offers this unique experience and, and then it just sort of it sort of took off on its own and I mean I still pinch myself every day that you know now the wish fulfilling tree is established and we run a wait list we're having trouble meeting the need in the community because the need is so significant between covid and fire seasons i have an employee another clinician who now works for me and does canine assisted therapy and it's just wild that we're here so so ziggy's my therapy dog he's a black lab he's now eight and so when I originally went to the University of Denver, I had this idea that Cash, my rat terrier, was going to be my therapy dog. <laughs> and he actually went with me to Colorado. And very quickly, it became clear that that was not his calling in <laughs> life. He's a sweet dog, doesn't particularly like kids. <laughs> and so, so it was like, okay, you know, I'll... I'll need a dog that that can do this work with me and it was my second year and the Institute for Human Animal Connection and Phil Tedeschi who was the director at the time had gotten connected with a prison dog program out there 
and so started to get curious about that and got to go and tour the women's prison and talk to these women about their experience of doing this canine program and it was so incredible to hear their stories of you know this is the first being in my life that I've been able to trust it's like yeah absolutely right and this is where I learned teamwork because we had these dogs and we'd have to tag team when they go out and and things like that so again coming back to building these life skills building true connection, authentic connection with self, with others. So I ended up getting Ziggy through through that program. And I'll never forget going to get him. Well, I went to see, they had two dogs for me to look at, him and then there was this, this yellow lab that was huge and all over the place. And I was like, ah, Ziggy's, Ziggy's definitely the one. And he was a little scrawny, skinny black lab. And the day I went to pick him up, they were like, you know, we're not sure what's going on with Ziggy. He's having a hair loss problem. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I got my dog, I took him home. He was two at the time. And so they, they would rescue dogs from shelters and then the inmates would train them in prison to either become service dogs or therapy dogs or even like family pets. So once I got him home, it was what became very clear was that his hair loss was related to stress. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time building our relationship, our connection, helping him to kind of settle in, hair loss problem went away. And then we did more training together and we became a canine good citizen team. And again, I mean, he didn't work with me in between the time that I was in Denver to moving back to California. And then when I launched the Wish Fulfilling Tree, that's really when Ziggy's career took off too. And I mean, he's been a once in a lifetime dog. He, he works with me with probably the majority of my clients and he loves to work. It's his favorite thing to do, you know, I get his best out and he's wagging and he's excited and ready to go to work on equine days or days that he's not working. He's like, kind of hang dog. <laughs> but he's also eight this year, so now I'm kind of thinking about semi-retirement for him and moving in that direction. And actually recently just got a puppy. Her name is Lily Biscuit and she's <laughs> a golden retriever and she, the intention is she'll be my up and coming therapy dog. Yeah. So it'll be a couple year gradual transition for the two of them. So Justice came into my life. Justice is my now eight year old quarter horse buckskin gelding. And he came into my life in Colorado as well. So of course, you know, I had to keep horses in my life because they are also my self care and my sanity along the way being with horses. And so I started volunteering at a rescue ranch in Colorado. It's called Zuma's Rescue Ranch. And I went out and I met with the trainer and the trainer very quickly was like, oh, she knows horses. She can ride. You know, we're, we're going to give her this project horse. <laughs> Justice was three at the time. So he was a baby and he had he had story attached to him you know oh nobody can go in with him because if you go in to clean his paddock he'll he'll chase you out right he'll chase the wheelbarrow and the rake out and i started working with him and it it was very clearly a clip and then and then when i moved back to california i was like i'm i'm a broke social worker like i just got out of grad school i can't have a horse like that's crazy making 
So he was in Colorado. I came back to California. It was actually during my apprenticeship out at Medicine Horse Ranch that we were talking one day about horses and horses coming into our lives. And I was like, yeah, there's this horse that's in Colorado. And, you know, he keeps on showing up. So he'd show up like on social media or somebody would be talking about him. And I just get this feeling in my heart of like, ah, just like this. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe kind of a longing. And Elisa turned to me and she's like, you know, that's your horse, right? And it was, that was it. That was the moment of like, I gotta get this horse. And so I called up the ranch owner, Jody, and and I get her on the phone and she's like, we've been waiting for your call. Like, like everybody knew, you know? But it just took me a while to, to figure it out. He's very much my heart horse. He, he doesn't do the therapy work yet. I say, you know, Justice doesn't really follow any horsey handbook, so he's been a huge teacher for me along the way, as horses are. That mm -hmm. comes into our life in terms of boundaries and patience and slowing down and really listening and observing and tracking subtlety. So Loki is my therapy horse. So the search began for a therapy horse. I spent probably two years looking and I had some pretty specific personality criteria that I was looking for, also being a companion for justice. And I was on Facebook one day and this horse popped up through the Sonoma County Change Program. And you know, I walked up to her paddock and I just kind of opened my heart and Loki came straight over, beelined to the fence and put her head on my heart. And I was like, okay, done for green light. She's coming, she's coming home with me. She's gained a lot of confidence in the last two years. So she's also kind of a no bullshit gal. And you know, in the equine therapy, that's really important because it's all about what we're experiencing internally is being reflected in the space, both energetically and verbally and through our actions and feelings. And you know, to be able to have horses that you work with that can really authentically reflect that, but also not put up with bullshit or, or I guess a better way to put it is that aren't shut down emotionally is is really key too. Her backstory is Sonoma County Change partners with Sonoma County Animal Services and rescues horses from abuse and neglect situation. And she was one of, they were called the Cloverdale 12. And so they were 12 paint horses that were rescued from a neglect situation. There was a man who was likely breeding them at some time because he had two stallions locked up in stalls and, and then a herd of mares and they're all super solid, beautiful horses. And uh, it turned into neglect. And so they weren't being fed, they were emaciated, they were up to their bellies in mud, the stallions were totally locked in. They actually found a dead horse in the field when they went and they seized the horses. And it became, it became a criminal case. But yeah, they placed all 12 horses. And then just in terms of, you know, our other therapy critters at the Wish Fulfilling Tree, we have five goats and sheep. They are all also rescues and the, the sheep were bummer lambs that we adopted and, and bottle fed and we bottle fed the goats. And 
I didn't really have all that much experience with sheep before getting them and they are total heart beings too and they love to connect from the heart and it's been really amazing they're really incredible at the attachment work because they just show up so the wish fulfilling trees so we're an animal assisted therapy practice and primarily uh, we have worked with kids, teens, and, and young adults. Really, it's about supporting individuals on their healing journey and with the support and, and the help of animals and kind of that mutual connection piece that develops of, of they give to us and, and we give back to them. So it's very relationship-based and, and focused. So yeah, that's what we do. And how can someone get a hold of you if they wanted to find you or contact you? Yeah, so the best way to be in touch and learn more about what we do at the Wish Fulfilling Tree is to go to our website. So therapeuticranch.com and it talks about the work. There's some videos about the work so you can get a little bit of a feel and kind of a virtual tour of the ranch. All the animals are on there in their bios so you can learn about them and then my contact information for Shanti is on there as well and you can reach out via phone or email. Perfect. So the big yes. question, uh, what is something you'd like to see evolve or change within the community and how can you implement that change? I think that's a great question and actually something that's been in my field a lot recently. I think from my perspective and the work that I do, it's making services like these more accessible, more well-known, more well-regarded. It's still very innovative. It's still very outside of the box. I think, you know, insurance companies are gonna catch up, but we also need the research and the efficacy to, to back that up along the way. But it, it limits the availability in terms of uh, who can access the work and so I would really really love to see modalities such as these become more widely accessible for folks who might not necessarily have the resources to access it without support and what I've been doing in that regard, so um, the Wish Fulfilling Tree has a animal assisted therapeutic group called LEAD that we run for preteens twice a year, spring semester and, and fall semester. And it's really focused on developing life skills, leadership, boundary setting, problem solving, and it's in a peer context. So preteens are getting to build social relationships, um, develop social skills with other peers in, in a supported therapeutic environment. And what I have been doing in that regard is establishing a scholarship fund so that a scholarship space or hopefully eventually two or three can be available for preteens who might not otherwise be able to access the service and I had a, a friend who reached out a while back over the phone and she's like I had this dream that I needed to give you this money to sponsor a youth to do this work and so that started the Wish Fulfilling Tree Scholarship Fund. We've also done an order of Wish Fulfilling Tree hats and and the profit from those will also go back into the scholarship fund and i'm really hopeful that we can fund one participant spot for a spot in lead next spring 
Well, thank you for the work you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah. Talk to you soon. Sounds great. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections. This is your host, Shauna Burke. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, like, comment, share on both Instagram and Facebook. And if you or someone you know wants to chat with me, don't forget to email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com. New episodes will come out every Monday morning starting January 2022. See you next week.